This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Before I get to my next guest, Bob Byman, I want to remind you about a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour and an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com, that's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com, and get Squares' 30-day money-back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Squares, the distance golf shoe. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Bionic Gloves. Whether you're looking to own the golf greens, improve your workouts, or get your hands dirty in the garden, Bionic Gloves have you covered. Designed with a hand specialist, Bionic Gloves feature patented innovations that help improve your grip. The strategically placed anatomical relief pads also help prevent calluses and blisters, while the web and motion zones allow for greater dexterity and flexibility. Head over to BionicGloves.com to find the perfect glove to up your game. And this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at Zexio. In 2001, Zexio Strixon began making clubs for men and women, and they've improved on those clubs every year since. I was fit for a set of Zexio 10 irons by a great fitter on their staff. He got me dialed in, and they feel and perform fantastically. They are light. I've picked up nearly 5 miles per hour in swing speed and they're deadly accurate. Every part of Zexio clubs are made exclusively for Zexio. Everything is light and balanced. Swing weights are made to give us the highest smash factor. And the best part of getting fit for Zexio clubs is hitting it higher and straighter than ever before, changing your game. Zexio clubs are a Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner for 2021. NB Park is a Zexio ambassador, as are Ernie Els and top instructor Martin Hall. See why and how Zexio can help your game as well. Go online to ZexioUSA.com, that's X-X-I-O-USA.com, and pick which set is right for you. Okay, now next on the tee with me is Bob Byman. Bob is from Poughkeepsie, New York. He played his college golf at Wake Forest, where he lettered all four years from 1973 to 1976. He was named All-American three times and All-ACC twice. He helped the Demon Deacons to back-to-back national championships in 1974 and 75. His 73.25 career stroke average is still one of the tops in school history. He tied for first at the 1974 ACC championship, and he finished second the following year behind teammate Curtis Strange. He took medalist honors at the 1974 Furman Intercollegiate Tournament, the 1975 Iron Duke Intercollegiate Tournament, and the 1976 Duke Spring Invitational. He turned pro in 1976. 
Bob played on the European tour and had a great deal of success over there in 1977. He won three national opens in Sweden, Holland, and New Zealand, and he finished fifth on the European Order of Merit. He would go on to win the Dutch and Scandinavian Opens twice, including in 1978 by one stroke over Nick Price. He would go on to earn his tour card in 78. He won the Bay Hill Invitational in 1979 in a playoff over John Schroeder. Later in 79, he would finish tied for seventh at the Open Championship at Royal Lytham in St. Anne's. By 1987, he turned his attention to teaching the game. Now Bob has a wonderful golf school out in Las Vegas, also does some teaching in New York. And I'm excited to have him with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Bob, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Chris. Nice to be here with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, Bob, I want to start our time tonight by going back to your junior golf days, because even though you're from Poughkeepsie, at 16 years of age, you're out there in Colorado dominating the amateur championships out there. You won the Colorado State Am three years in a row. You became the, the youngest player to ever qualify for the U.S. Open. Talk about, you know, your transition from New York to Colorado and then those young amateur days where you were dominating the scene out there. Well, my father uh, was uh, worked with IBM. And uh, so so we uh, initially lived in, uh, in Poughkeepsie, Kingston, New York, until I was about 12 years old. Played a lot of golf, a lot of junior golf then. I had an older brother that uh, – inspired me and helped me along the way at Byman. And uh, we, we moved to uh, Boulder, Colorado when I was 13. And, of course, I, I picked up uh, golf again as soon as uh, we got there. And, uh, you know, I had, I had a couple uh, important moments in time. I, was, I remember practicing at Flatirons Country Club in Boulder, uh, you know, uh, I was a pretty good player when I was 15. I was probably a zero handicap already, but had a very strong grip. And a buddy of mine was watching me uh, hit some balls. And uh, he said, well, you know, how come you hooked so many shots? I said, well, I, I don't hook any shots. He said, look, you need to look at this book. You need to read this book. And that was Ben Hogan's Five Lessons of the Modern Fundamentals of Golf. So he said, look, if you really want to be the best that you can be, you need to get your hands on the club this way. and so, uh, you know, I, I devoured that book that night and uh, didn't initially uh, make the adjustment, but I did do that when I was 16. And uh, initially, uh, I was hitting everything off to the right, uh, not very good, but within about two or three days, I started hitting the ball like I had, like I was imagining it to go. It was, it was, it was fabulous. And uh, that is really what led me to be able to separate myself from the other junior and amateur golfers in the state when I was 16 years old. That was 1971. And uh, kept going. You know, just kept improving. You mentioned uh, qualified for the U.S. Open that next year when I was 17, played at Pebble Beach. And uh, just one of the greatest uh, experiences of my life. You know, that, as, you, as you go through this stuff, one thing leads to another. Played with Arnold Palmer in a practice round there. And I remember double bogeying the, the first hole. I was about the, I think the most nervous I've ever been in golf on the first tee. It was unbelievable. And I double bogeyed the first hole and then 
never missed another fairway and never missed a green. It was about 55 degrees. The wind's blowing 15 miles an hour. One of the greatest 17 holes I've ever played in my life. I made about a 20-footer in the last hole, and Arnold's looking over at me, and he's clapping for me. He stopped me afterwards and said, you, young man, uh, I, I like what you're doing. You should consider going to Wake Forest. And that's really the thing that uh, opened that idea up to me. And then, of course, I talked with the great uh, Jesse Haddock, uh, the coach there, and that, that kind of sealed the deal. So that's, that kind of brings me up uh, into college then. So, I got, but I got to ask you, right? I mean, you're, you're out in Colorado, and I, and I certainly – if Arnold Palmer says says to you, you need you need to go to Wake Forest. Well, you need to go to Wake Forest. But I have to imagine, oh, yeah. having had such a successful amateur career, you had to have college coaches knocking down your door. It was, how, well, was, it, was it really, Mister Palmer? Uh, he, he that was very very influential to me. Uh, I you know. I I had won the U.S. Junior uh, when I was 17. I, I think I, that year, 1972, I think I played in 13 tournaments. I think I won uh, at least 10 or 11 of them. The only ones I didn't win were the U.S. Open, the U.S. Amateur, and I think the Colorado Open. I mean, it was it was a, it was a great uh, uh, season, and you know, I play, as you know, I played a lot uh, uh, as a pro, but I, the game was never as simple and easy for me as a pro as it was during that, uh, that one year in, in, uh, in high school. So, uh, you know, Arnold was, was a big deal. That was a big moment for me playing with him and then having him say that, but actually visiting uh, Wake Forest and uh, meeting and talking to Jesse Haddock, that, that really sealed it. You know, I, I had lots of offers. I, I think uh, I was the number one recruited guy in the in the country at, at that point. Curtis Strange was the number two, and we both went, both were recruited at the same year. It was unbelievable. So we turned a, you know, a good program into a great program, and that allowed us to uh, to win those those next two uh, NCAA championships. It was great great time to be uh, at Wake Forest for sure. Yeah, and as I was doing the research, that 75 team that you guys had is touted as the best college team ever, according to Golf World Magazine. I mean, you guys won that second national championship by 33 strokes over Oklahoma State. So it was much closer going into the final round. I think you guys had about a six-stroke lead going into that final round and then put on a clinic. And you and Curtis and yet Jay Haas and David Thor leading the team and Jay would win the individual national championship but curtis finished third you finished fourth talk about that team yeah we had a fabulous team uh, uh you know i went went to school uh, i was not healthy when i went to school and my elbow was bothering me a bit but i got to play with curtis a number of times when he was uh, a freshman i was a freshman and uh he was the most fundamentally sound player as a junior that I'd ever seen. It was it was incredible how how this uh, uh, young fella drove the ball and was able to hit long irons. I'd never seen anything like it. And uh, of course, he won the NCAA individual championship as a freshman, and and then that led us into uh, the the next year where where Jay Haas 
started to uh, exert his talent, and all of us wanted to win that NCAA, not just for the team, but individually. So we had uh, a bunch of guys that last day that uh, three of three out of, of us had a great chance to uh, to win the the event uh, individually, and 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 because of that, I I think that's why we just uh, we just moved past everybody. It was unbelievable, really. I mean, when you think back at it, I mean, we Jay finished first, uh, Curtis finished third, I finished fourth, and David uh, Thor, which was another terrific player, terrific player, who uh, was from North Carolina, a uh, very solid player, had a nice tournament. So we just we just absolutely dominated, and it was a uh, very very satisfying uh, for everybody. Uh, I think that was. I, I don't. I don't know. You know. You. You look back. You go. Well, here's here's Curtis Strange. He became the number one player in the world for a couple of years. Jay Haas had probably the longest career of all of us, and then won a major championship at, on the Champions Tour. And in golf world, I was given the. I was kind of touted as the. Uh, uh, the international rookie of the year in 1977. And David Thor, and I, and I played on the tour for, you know, whatever, uh, eight, nine years in a, in a world-class manner. And David Thor made the tour and played on the tour for a couple of years. So all four of us made the tour and, and, and uh, you know, all of us excelled in, in a very, very nice way. So it, it was a great, great team. Talk to us about those, you know, when, you, when I think about that, those college days and how good you guys were. And I'm imagining you guys pushing each other. As you mentioned, all of you had a chance to win a national championship. You were right there clustered. Is this a group of guys that were up in the morning when you weren't in class, out at the practice range, at the practice facility, doing whatever you guys needed to do and pushing each other to be better and better and better? Or where did the college life fit in? So you had a, a nice college experience. What was it actually like, not just on tournament days, but in the preparation and on the practice facility, trying to be the best and try to beating each other, which raised the level of the team. Well, I would say that I did uh, the most practice of of any of the uh, the four or five of the top guys out there. Um, you know, Jay and and Curtis were beautifully taught. I mean, uh, just you know, uh, uh, Curtis's father. Uh, was a terrific player. I think he played in five or six uh, U.S. Opens and was taught or influenced by Sam Snead. So that kind of translated into Curtis. Curtis practiced, but he didn't practice so much. He he loved to play, and he worked on his game out on the golf course. Jay was influenced by Bob Golby. So his uh, his technique was, you know, pretty sound. Uh, he, he improved, uh, uh, continued to improve as a, as a professional. But he was a solid player, not a great practicer either, but, but the, they, they spent a lot of time on the golf course. And David was uh, kind of on the in-between. He did some practicing and, uh, and playing as well. So most of the time that we spent together as a team was on the golf course, uh, uh, you know, working together, talking to each other, just noticing what the other player does. Uh, we had some fabulous 
uh, you know, five and, and six guys, too. If you remember a guy named Scott Hogue, had a, had a heck of a time getting on our team. And he, uh, he ended up having one of the, one of the best professional uh, 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 careers of, of any of us. I mean, it, it, was, it was really highly competitive. And uh, but that, that's kind of the way it went. And, and it, it, was a, it was a good time. We, we, had, uh, we worked hard. We did have some college experience um, uh, for everybody. And it, it was a good time. Good time. Were those three years, 1974 to 76, and you guys competing for the national championship each year, was that when golf was the most fun for you, or did it get even better when you went out and played professionally on the European and the PGA Tours? Hmm. You know, I, I think I mentioned uh, earlier when I was 17, that was probably the most enjoyable golf was for me. Because, uh, you know, I didn't know everything about how to play the game, but I was able to hit the shots that that were in my mind more often than uh, probably any other time. I had to find out other ways to play the game as a pro because my technique, I was not taught particularly well. I just kind of dug it out of the ground and was, uh, was highly talented. So, you know, I had to figure out how to curve the ball and, and, and be a shot maker and have a great, uh, you know, let's say inside of a 120 game and a, uh, you know, highly competitive attitude. Uh, you know, I, I learned as a, as a kid early from, uh, from a quote from Ben Hogan, if you want to win, you have to outwork them, you have to outthink them, and then you, and you try to do your best to intimidate them. So I, I certainly tried to outwork everybody. I did my very best to have no one have a better strategy or management or a plan to play. And, uh, you know, in, in some circles, uh, when I was playing my best, perhaps I had a little bit of intimidation until I came on the PGA Tour <laughs> okay. because there were so many <laughs> great players at that point. But uh, Certainly in, in Europe, it was, a, it was oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting how things lead you to one thing and, and then to another. I missed qualifying for the uh, PGA Tour by a shot. Six rounds, shot even par with six rounds, one under made it, and uh, was very depressed. And, uh, you know, I go, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? And a buddy of mine uh, was taking a group of uh, U.S. players over to Europe. And all you had to do was Monday qualify at that point. And if you Monday qualified, you're in the tournament. So after about a week of licking my wounds, I decided that I would go. And uh, the third week I was over there, I won the event. And uh, I believe it was the fifth or sixth week I won another back and forth. Uh, I think I played only seven or eight tournaments that year and finished fifth on the order of merit. It was, it was a great, great experience. Later in the year, I went to Australia and New Zealand to play, won the New Zealand Open, had some great, uh, some, some high finishes uh, in, in New Zealand and Australia. And, uh, you know, I would not give up playing internationally for anything. I eventually got on the tour in 1978, qualified. I was ready at that point. And then my 13th tournament, I, uh, I won on the, on the PGA Tour at 
at the inaugural uh, Bay Hill Classic. Yeah. So let's talk about that Bay Hill Classic. To your point a moment ago, you had to go through Monday qualifying, and, and you and you did that. And that 79 year, I believe, was Mr. Palmer's first year as the tournament yep. sponsor. And and you, you won it. When I look back at, over that tournament, you won it in part thanks to a hot start in the final round. You birdied three of the first five holes and got a little hairy down at, down the stretch on 17 and 18. But then you go into a playoff against John Schroeder. You, you par the second playoff hole. And the next thing you know, you're standing in front of Mr. Palmer, and uh, he's handing you the trophy. That had to be a special. Well, it sure was. Uh, you know, I qualified on, on a Monday. I, I was on the West Coast uh, for the weeks before, not playing well. I came home. I had a week off. And uh, looking in the mirror, you know, uh, we didn't really use video all that much back then. And experimenting with this and experimenting with that. And all of a sudden, I caught something and then played a pretty good uh, uh, qualifying round. And then interestingly, uh, this was this was in, in the Orlando area, and uh, very often Mo Norman would be you know near the tournament, and he was at the at the the course that, that the qualifying was at, and he was hitting some balls afterwards. I had I had met Mo uh, a, a few years before, had, had uh, become friendly with him, so I went over and watched him, and and got uh, you know just 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 absorbed the repetition, not not the way he moved. But uh, you know his, the fundamentals he used, but the 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 energy signature and the repetitiveness of the rhythm, and then I applied that to myself. And with the thing that I had learned the, the week before about the, what I had been doing in my swing, it all came together, and I was super confident going into that event. Uh, actually, played with Curtis and Jay and my brother Ed in the practice round. That was the best round I played the entire week, and <laughs> and then played pretty darn well, uh, you know, through uh, I would say 70 holes, and then the 71st hole, that 17th hole, wow, that was uh, that was something. Uh, the par three there over the water, over the over the bunkers, my legs got as heavy as they had ever been. Uh, I had never experienced that before. Hit the ball a little bit in the heel, came up in the bunker, hit it up about three feet, missed the putt, and that kind of uh, jolted me back into uh, you know let's let's get this done kind of thing. Now I bogeyed the last hole, but that that actually prepared me for the for the playoff. Uh, the first playoff hole, I hit a good drive, hit a hit maybe the one of the best iron shots I've ever hit in my life. Almost hold it, went about eight feet by, left the putt on the on the lip. Hit a good drive on the next hole. Hit it up about 35 feet to the right uh, of the hole. Depends on the front uh, front left. And uh, John Schroeder did not hit a good second shot. Chipped it up about six feet. I hit my 35, 40 footer up about six inches. Tapped it in, and he missed it on the left. And uh, that was it. I, I, I won the event. It was. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm talking about it, and I still uh, my. You know, my my uh, my body can still feel what what I, I was experiencing at that time. It's fabulous, great. Bob, a couple more before I let you go, and when I want to talk about your experiences at the Open Championship in '78 and '79. 
That 78 year, you finished tied for 17th. The event was played at St. Andrews. That would be a year that Jack Nicholas won. But it was a veritable who's who of golf legends around the top of the leaderboard throughout all four rounds. What was it like for you being in the mix there? Well, that was uh, that was my first introduction to being, I would say, close to you know at least having an outside chance to win. Uh, I played with Seve Basteros, who, who had become a uh, you know a, a high a great competitor of mine, but uh, a, a friend as well. We played the last round together, and uh, I was two under, I believe, through nine or ten. And uh, at that point, I think five under was leading. So I figured, man, if I could, you know, find a way to uh, to make a couple birdies coming in the end, maybe I could get in the mix. Of course, 18 was downwind at that point. Uh, you know, you're always thinking you can make a, a, a birdie there. So uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, that, that first experience was, you know, just a little bit too much for my nervous system to handle. At that point, I had not imagined and prepared for some of the things that my body and my mind were experiencing. I think I shot two over on the last nine, played pretty solidly, but uh, missed a shot here and there and finished even par for the event. Uh, and that kind of led me into 1979. I was playing a little bit better in 1979 than in 1978, although I was not playing as well as I, I was at the uh, at the Bay Hill uh, like like three months before. So I was confident, but there was still, if I could figure out just that one little thing, you know, I, I might be able to uh, find a way. So the last nine of the last day, at, this is Royal Lithum in St. Anne's, uh, you know, I was right there. I birdied the 13th hole. I think I got back to maybe one over for the event. I think Jack was even and, and uh, against Seve. Biasteros, I think, was two under at that point. So I was right there, and the wind was blowing about 30. And I I continued to hit good uh, good drives. Uh, had trouble with the irons coming in, and uh, just was not able to finish strongly and finish seventh there from being third. So I was, you know, you look back and you go, wow, you know, I finished seventh. That's really really good. But I was third by myself at, at a moment in time there, so I was very disappointed, and uh, that uh, how how that how that happened. But looking back, it's like, wow, you finished seventh at the British Open. That's pretty good. You know? so. Yeah, it is. Oh. Bob, let everybody know what you're doing now, uh, teaching the game in your golf school. Yes, sir. I've uh, of course, uh, as you mentioned, I played on the tour for a long time, and. Uh, Teaching a little bit, uh, 1985, and then in uh, in in full, that became my business in 1987. Uh, taught all over the world in different uh, locations uh, around, uh, but now my business is in Las Vegas. I teach at the TPC Las Vegas, and uh, we specialize in one-on-one -on -one golf school, but we can handle uh, any size group and any goal that uh, any any uh, golfer has for themselves you know with my competitive experience and my teaching and coaching uh, over decades 
give me that expertise. Uh, I, I, I feel like, you know, I give uh, as, as good as or better than anybody in, in the world today as a coach or, 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 a, uh, or a teacher. So uh, you, can, you can find me at uh, BobBymanGolf.com or go to GolfSchool.com. Well, Bob, it has been a thrill having you as part of the show tonight. I feel like we probably just scratched the surface on being able to tap into, particularly on the teaching side. I hope you'll come back and do it again sometime. Oh, I would love to, Chris. That would be great. I appreciate it very much. It's, uh, I've, I've listened to uh, a number of your podcasts now and very, very impressed. And you are, uh, you're just uh, a great guy, and uh, I appreciate you giving me the time to be with you tonight. Well, certainly glad to have had you here, and thank you very much for that. Stay safe, Bob. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. See you, Bob. That's the great Bob Feynman, and I tell you what, folks, uh, what a tremendous you know, college career, obviously, back-to-back national championships, and a guy that was right at the top uh, of the college game, and then obviously at the amateur at the amateur level, and then transitioned that over to the PGA Tour and uh, over in Europe where he won, like I say, several national championships. A great player and now a great instructor. So next time we get him back, we'll start to pick his brain a little bit more on the teaching side. But you can see the pedigree he has behind him and what a wonderful golfer he has been. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business. And it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.